This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. This week, Maggie and I start a conversation about the women's ministry at New City. Before we get to that, however, we always like to start our podcast with a brief discussion about the catechism question from this Sunday's liturgy. Joining us for that discussion today is Shin. For this week's catechism question, we're looking at the Westminster Shorter Catechism 27, How was Christ humiliated? And the answer, Christ was humiliated by being born as a man and born into a poor family, by being made subject to the law and suffering the miseries of this life, the anger of God and the curse of death on the cross, and by being buried and remaining under the power of death for a time. Mm. Shin, you are involved in the children's ministry at our church. And oftentimes you have to explain some pretty theologically dense and heavy and maybe even difficult content to them in language that they can understand. How do you sort of explain what Christ had to give up or what Christ had to sacrifice in order to become a man? Well, I mean, I think the way I usually try to convey or illustrate any sort of difficult truth to kids is by telling them stories. You know, so for instance, right now, what we're going through is I'm trying to teach them what the Bible talks about in terms of the general arc, right? So what I'm trying to teach them right now is that the story of the Bible is that we're exiled from the garden. And the way that I'm getting them to understand what that means is I just gave them an image to think about what the story of the Bible is that we were kicked out of home. And right now we've been exiled and the way exile is, is that we've been locked out of the house, right? So I keep showing them or telling them stories of what it's like to be locked out of the house and giving them ideas of how to think about that and things like that. When we talk about the humiliation of Christ. Let me just interject and say, that's a great illustration because kids can understand the panic. Right. Right. You know, when you're suddenly locked out and how you have things that you are comfortable with, things that you are meant to have, things that you're home to be suddenly shut out of that. That's like a very visceral. Right. And like, actually, sort of when you explain it to them in those terms, they get it pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know how, like, how are you supposed to explain existential angst to <laughs> kindergartners, right? It's like, oh, why? everything is wrong right now. And you don't really understand why. And the Bible tells you that it's because you're in exile. So how do you explain that to the kids? Well, if you say something like, okay. Have you been on a trip for a long time and you just Mm. really, really want to go home and you miss home, right? You miss the bed that you have or the blanket or the toys or the other, the millions of other comforts that you have in your room and you just don't have it because you're on a long, long trip. But then the problem is that you can't go home. You're locked Mm. out. And when you start putting it in terms like that, the kids, even though they might not really be able to articulate it themselves, it communicates and they understand. Going back to the whole humiliation of Christ question, maybe a way that we could talk about it would be like, if you've ever played a game with your older brother or your dad or something like that, and maybe you don't know it, right? But when they wrestle you, they're really holding everything back. You know what I mean? And you may think that you're getting the best of them, but in reality, they're holding back so that they could play with you at your level. Essentially, that's what Jesus did for us. The fact that the word became flesh 
so that we could see and feel him with our senses. Um, that's him subjugating himself to the realities of this world so that finite creatures can understand him. Maybe that's how I would do it. And, you know, your exile illustration also fits because Christ voluntarily put himself into exile. You know, he mm. shut himself. He left his home. He mm. shut himself out of all of the power and majesty and glory that he enjoyed, the love, the community. Mm the mm -hmm. fellowship that he enjoyed and deliberately sought to be with those who are much lower than him. The way that I do it with the kids in my class, it's vocab lesson, right? You're trying to break down some of the major words. You know, what is humiliation? Kids know what it means to be humiliated, mm -hmm. to made little of, or, you know, and you can come up with situations like that. And then we can say then transfers like how is it that christ was humiliated mm. part of that is him becoming man and then you have to kind of dive into that why is that a humiliation for god you can always talk about creator creature distinction and the fact that the creator became a part of his creation I always do ants because ants are very small <laughs> would you become an ant and then becoming an ant would you then suffered all the uh, condemnation so that you could save them and then experience, you know, the wrath that comes from being the representative of these other ants. I don't think many people really take a lot of time to think through. I think they, they would understand it, but when you really process it and understand the sacrifice Christ made, I think on, on a, many levels, people understand, oh yeah, Christ made a sacrifice. But what does that actually mean? And especially during a time of Advent, when we are remembering and we're look, thinking about Christ's Advent and incarnation. That word humiliation is interesting too, because humiliation oftentimes comes loaded with these feelings of shame and, and bitterness. But Christ did what he did joyfully. He voluntarily put himself in this position, the example that comes to mind is in, in the diary of a wimpy kid, <laughs> those, those right. books, you know, the main character at one point, his best friend is being marginalized or maybe even bullied. And he has to sort of make a choice. Am I going to stand with my friend? which means that I'm going to also be a target that I'm also going to be picked on. I'm also going to be seen as sort of the underclass of this school, or am I going to live my own life, ignore it and kind of try to make my own way. The character of that story didn't make the right, the right yeah. choice. He's a little bit of a selfish kid, just like the rest of us, but Christ didn't. He, he gave it all up to mm, befriend right. us, mm. you know? and to be our yeah. elder brother. So it's not my mission with our ministry to create this ministry where women are off on their own doing their own thing, but I want to create a space where the women of our church can come together and whether it be through being in God's word a little bit more and discussing it more with other women or you know, reading books together or like just having dinner together. Just want to create a space for that camaraderie and that connection to happen. 
So Maggie, you are head of the women's ministry at New City. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> well, it's funny because people ask how this role came about and I I really don't even remember. <laughs> I've been I've been ahead of this ministry for a long time with a title at some point, and I don't remember when all of that happened. Yeah, but yes, yeah. I, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Was this something that you had had a heart for a while? So our family came to New City. 10 years ago now, mm. I was pregnant with Naomi when we arrived at New City. And at that point, there was no official women's ministry. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I approached Pastor Paul about a women's Bible study. And he said, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Yeah. That sounds great. And so I think we started doing a Bible study. And then we also had a yearly event going on mm -hmm. and then eventually after a couple of years i honestly don't even remember when started talking with pastor paul about making it making me a, an official part of the staff yeah. with a title i'm a terrible historian and i don't remember when that happened <laughs> but let's say it's a few years into my tenure of being in charge of things for women at new city yeah what were your experiences with women's ministries in other contexts, at other previous churches, mm. or maybe even growing up, noticing them, witnessing them. It's funny you ask that. I actually think that for a lot of my life, I tried to avoid all things related to, I guess, femininity, mm. if you were to give a, give a word to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I pushed back against what culture was telling me what it meant to be a woman. Mm. When I was younger, I didn't play with dolls and I pushed away from dresses. When I was older, I I wanted to be a part of Girl Scouts only if we were going to go camping. <laughs> I didn't care about anything else in Girl Scouts and joined three different troops, each of them promising that they would take me camping and they never did. Yeah. When my mom would try to dress me in like, you know, those, those pretty dresses, I just hated it. And then as I got older, I really thought that I was going to be some sort of like business woman. But it's so funny how things work out. I ended up becoming a nurse and not only became a nurse, but I became a nurse taking care of only women. Mm. I became a labor and delivery nurse. Mm. And so I was not only around women all of the time mm. in my profession, I was only caring for women. And then as I became a mom, I was convinced I was going to be a boy man. Because I don't know, I like the outdoors and I don't like girly things. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, surely I'm going to be a boy mom. And clearly that did not happen. The mom of three girls. So womanhood has like essentially chased me down. Wow. And it's funny that I am now the director of women's ministry. I just kind of think it's laughable in a way. But I think God obviously has a sense of humor with me and is like, I'm going to put you in and among so many women <laughs> and you just can't run away from it anymore. Mm. I'm not really sure how I got here, but clearly God was orchestrating all of this for me. I don't even know if our church had any sort of women's ministry in the Episcopal church growing up. Once I got to college, I was a part of campus ministries. We had female Bible studies. I guess that would be my first taste of like anything just geared directly towards women. But it wasn't until I became a part of a PCA church in 
Winterville, North Carolina. That's where I saw my first women's ministry. And through ever since we joined that church, we've just been a part of churches that have had women's ministries. So when I got to New City, I was like, well, where's the ministry that's serving women? And at that point, we were a very, very small church. I wouldn't say that I had, you know, any more experience in with women's ministry than anybody else. But, but you I, raised I, your I, hand, right? I said, <laughs> yeah. Hey, it would be nice if we could get together as women and have a Bible city. That's what happens on New here, City. Here we are. Yeah. You here want it? You, yeah. you make it happen. Yeah. We're behind yeah. you. <laughs> that leads me to the question as to what you see as the special nature of women's ministries. Why, why, why not just have women be a part of the general congregation and just participate in general ministries? What do you see as the advantage, the use of having a gender-specific ministry like that? I don't necessarily think that, at least with our church, that we need to have a robust women's ministry that offers a lot of extra opportunities for our women to be together because I think that our church does a great job of facilitating like family life within the church. I don't want to create a lot of extra events for our women to feel like they have to, you know, participate in these to have a healthy relationship with the church. But I do think that naturally women and men gravitate towards each other mm. because we like being together for one. We think differently than men do about certain things and we relate to one another one another as women on a certain level that we don't relate to with men. I think even women that are married to men feel like they have a certain camaraderie with other women. And that's not a bad thing to feel that camaraderie with each other and to feel that special connection and relationship. So it's not my mission with our ministry to create this ministry where women are off on their own doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. But I want to create a space where the women of our church can come together and whether it be through being in God's word a little bit more and discussing it more with other women mm. or, you know, reading books together or like just having dinner together. Mm. Just want to create a space for that camaraderie and that connection to happen. In this area, it's really hard to get together. Mm. So the women's ministry just kind of makes it a little bit easier for us to get together. But again, my vision for this ministry is not to create this big events-based ministry that is potentially going to take over mm. everything else. <laughs> Anything that I do needs to be in tandem with what else is going on in the church. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about like not creating kind of a church within the church, you know, and adding on obligations or another sort of social sphere. But my wife went to an all-women's college, and she really saw the, the benefits of having a space that she felt so much more comfortable in. She felt so much more able and, and comfortable and safe to speak up, to put herself forward more, to um, have more leadership, have more input in things. She really felt like it really allowed her to just flourish in a way that she hadn't experienced prior to that when she was in high school. Women are 
especially vulnerable in our society and not necessarily yes. just physically, but there's still a lot of prejudices, stereotypes, assumptions. People bring a lot of baggage, you know, to gender relations. And I think women are constantly having to figure out who they are in, in society and how to balance their roles. And it just seems like a very, very complex way of being. It's great that they would have a space to air some of that out or maybe not worry about some of that. Right. I think you can use the word vulnerable and yeah. it's not an insult. Yeah. <laughs> I think that even scripture tells us that the church needs to care for women, mm. um, that there's, you know, several scenes within the biblical narrative where it's very clear that a woman is being taken advantage of in mm. one way or another. Mm. So it doesn't mean that we're not capable or I, I'm, I don't think weak is the right word because mm -hmm. in many cases we can be weaker physically, but it doesn't diminish our worth and value to say that we are vulnerable, mm -hmm. that we can be vulnerable. And I agree. I think that giving women the space to be in an environment that is more comfortable, more palatable for them mm -hmm. is great. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be comfortable and palatable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, people are but, still people. <laughs> uh, yes, but we can surely try. Something that I mentioned to you before that I, I do think that part of what's been changed or lost in our modern society has been as more and more women are in the workforce or are not tied to their own families. There's lots of great things that, that came with that. But one of the things that might have diminished or got lost was this sense of a strong female community, a strong community that was tied to domestic life, where there would be sewing circles or bridge clubs where women could get together and share in each other's lives and know about the needs of each other's families. There were certainly dangers and pitfalls to some of that as well, but there was also like this really robust social network that that was really useful in in many ways and that's that's something that can't be taken for granted anymore i think that one of the great things about ministry is that it can be intentional in having something there and instead of not there <laughs> if that makes any sense sure yeah yeah we have to really work hard for community in this area. Yeah. And I am well aware that I am unable to meet the needs of everyone, which mm. is challenging for me because <laughs> I I really, really want to be able to. But I, I know my limits and I know that the ministry, we the events that we plan, the things that we do, I know I won't be able to meet everyone's needs. But we we do try to have a few meetings, gatherings at different times throughout the week or throughout the month that hopefully our women can take advantage of if they, you know, feel led to. I, I certainly don't think that you have to be an active member of the women's ministry. I think that if you are an active member of our church coming to um, Sunday worship and being a part of an FG, I think that that is good enough. Mm. But mm. there are the men's and women's ministries that are there for you if you feel like you would like more mm. connection and care and community within the church. Mm. 
I, I, I think that I would never want people to feel like I must be a part of the women's and men's mm -hmm. ministries to be a good member of New City. Let's get into that. Can you tell us a little bit about the regular things that women's ministry does, any services it provides? What, are, what things do you have in place right now? Yeah. So right now we have three regular events that we offer, mm -hmm. three gatherings that we offer. The first is a book club. And we've had book clubs at New City with our women for years off and on. Mm. This summer, we did a, a weekly book club through a book on motherhood. Mm. And it was really well attended. And the discussion was wonderful. And so there was a small group of women that wanted to continue the book club, but wanted to change it to a weekday morning format. Mm -hmm. You know, at New City, I look at my list of women on my email list and I don't know what percentage is, but most everybody works. Mm. And if they don't work outside the home, like making money outside of your home, their schedules are still quite full. Yeah. And so I was a little concerned that maybe a weekday morning book club would not be um, very well attended, but mm. I was wrong. And there are several women in our church that have been doing a reading through Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Mm -hmm. which is a, a book by Mark Rogop, I think, how you say his last name. Okay. And it is, the topic is lament. And they meet the first and third Wednesday morning. And I am told that though the attendance is a little smaller, the discussion is rich mm. and wonderful. Mm. And so they're going to continue that. Kathy Cool and Rebecca Gibson are leading it. And they are doing a fabulous job. They'll probably end in late February and then take a big pause. And we'll probably do another book club this coming summer. And is it in person or on it's, Zoom? It's the first or? and third. First and third okay. Wednesday morning okay. in either the home of Rebecca or Cat Bay. Okay. So both in Alexandria. Right. And the next group that we have is, I would call it a Bible meditation group. So when I think of Bible study, I think of a more inductive Bible study that mm -hmm. goes My through mind. the word and really digs into it. Yeah. yeah. We, we do something a little bit differently, going to the text, reading through it and meditating on it in a, in a certain way that allows you to really absorb it more. Mm. So we went through mostly through Psalms of Lament this past fall. You probably hear a theme where <laughs> we were talking about lament in both the book club and the Bible study, because yeah. like I said before, I didn't want to create anything outside of what our church is already purposely working through on mm. Sunday mornings. Mm. So I hear a lot of women say, I just don't have time to get in the word, but I really want to get in the word. And so many felt like, well, if I'm not doing this regular Bible study on top of going to church on Sundays, I'm not doing it right. There's mm. something wrong with mm. what I'm doing. Mm. So I wanted to try to marry the two of those things and say, well, okay, so we're going through Psalms with Lament on Sunday morning. Mm. Why not just use what our our leadership has already given us and just expand on that further. Mm. We don't have to do this extra Bible study on the side that's going to pressure you into needing to uh, um, go to a different part of the Bible that uh, we're not studying necessarily on mm. Sunday mornings and mm. 
you know, take your focus off of whatever we're studying on Sunday mornings, we can actually just dive in even more mm-hmm. to um, the Psalms of Men. And that's what we did. So we as well met on the first and third Tuesday night at the home of Phyllis Lauber. So really close to the church. Mm-hmm. And there were maybe 12 to 15 women each time. Wow. And we would read a passage. So we would try to stay in line with what Pastor Paul was teaching on Sundays. But we also kind of just jumped around in the Psalms of Lament on our own. Sure. And we would read through the passage and then just go through the passage and meditate on it and discuss it. And it was wonderful. And we'll, again, keep that going. We're taking a little break right now through the month of December because December is December. (laughs) And then we will pick back up in January Mm -hmm. and probably go through early spring and then pause for a while. Mm. So those are the two like more book or Bible study related um, things that we do in women's ministry. And then the monthly dinner is on the second Friday of every month. And they take place at different women's houses throughout Northern Virginia, even in Maryland. On average, I would say 12 to 15 people as well attend our dinners and their potluck dinners. They're really casual, just a great way for our women to just relax and chat. And it's also a really good way for new women to get connected to the church. Mm. It's a small group of people, I think maybe less pressure than Sunday morning trying to get to know people Mm -hmm. um, at a slower pace. Those are all managed by Soyeon who has come alongside me in women's ministry and provided so much help. If I could give her a title, I would. Mm -hmm. I would call her my women's ministry coordinator. (laughs) (laughs) She's managing a lot of these things for me, just logistics and behind the scenes work. So I thank God for her. Yeah, she just has incredible gifts. (laughs) Yes. We're so lucky to have a person like her. <laughs> so she has freed me up to be able to devote more time to another aspect of the ministry than I'm trying to yeah. to expand and grow. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. I mean, what I what I hear is that these ministries are definitely coming out of what you perceive are felt needs. That your conversations with the women in our church and your hearing out their own difficulties and and the things that they feel like they could use more help with. That's what's leading to these different activities and events and stuff. Is that right? I think so. I would say that I have a lot of women on my email list. Mm. And I know not everyone will be able to participate in all of these events. But I would maybe encourage some of our women to think about joining some of them. I think that they could be a really nice space for you to be able to have that connection with women. I do think is vital. Mm. Do you think that women need to have strong relationships with other women? Mm -hmm. So if this can be an avenue for that to happen, I would encourage women to consider coming out to at least the dinners, Mm -hmm. if, if possible. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's exhorted in the New Testament. It's definitely understood that Oftentimes, the best way for women to grow and develop is with the aid and relationship and support and love of other women. Yeah. We pray our discussion was edifying to you, and we'd love to hear any feedback. Mark's email is mark at newcityva.org. Stephen Price provided the music, and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A L M A. 
dogma.bandcamp.com. We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sonny Kim, and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, watch those windows.